0: I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. And to help me in assembling the Avengers, it's John Mills.
1: Mm hmm. And here we are. We've suddenly, uh, leapt backward to the 1940s somehow. Uh, so we've taken our, our first real, uh, time lapse leap backward in time. That's true. Uh, unless I'm, you know, and of course it creates a, a delicious little contradiction somewhere along the way, but we can talk about that yeah. when we get there.
0: Well, uh, and it is, there is a time whiplash in this movie because we start in the present, go back to the past, and then the movie ends in the present. So, or yes. quote unquote, the present then. So, um, but <laughs> to quote Spaceballs,
1: when will then
0: be now? Soon, Soon.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Now, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we are excited to be here because, uh, yeah, we're we're at the last movie before we reach the first team up of Avengers. We're here at Captain America, the first Avenger. But is he the first Avenger? Hmm, I don't know. Will he be a retcon later on? We'll talk about it when we get there. (laughs) But before we do, uh, thank you so much for checking out Assembling Avengers here with the 602 Club feed. We hope you're enjoying the bonus show. Of course, make sure you are subscribed so you do get the show as soon as it drops. And we would love to have a star rating review from you over there on Apple Podcasts. Help people find the show. Just make sure you're subscribed, though. So, again, you just get the shows as soon as they drop here in the 602 Club feed. Um, if you're liking the show and you want to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so please, you know, go over to somewhere like Twitter. You can find us there at the 602 Club. Follow us and uh, comment. We'd love to uh, have your comments. Just use the hashtag Assembling Avengers. Of course, you can find us on Instagram as well at the 602 Club, TFM. We've got the entire network over at Trek.FM where you can see all of the shows we're doing. There's so much happening for you there You can also find us uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. There's a listeners-only discussion group there called the Babel Conference. You can join uh, and talk to listeners from all over the world, what's going on here in the network. Uh, And if you do like the network and you want to make sure that shows keep coming to you, you know, Patreon is the best place to go to help us make sure that uh, happens. So go to patreon.com slash TrekFM and see how you can be part of the team. So... John, I don't know if you know this, but something I was really interested in, uh, again, before we even get to the movie, was a director question. Uh, and two directors, actually, who have previously directed in the MCU were actually interested in doing Captain America before they got their said movies. One, John Favreau, uh, and then the other, Leterrier, uh, who did Incredible Hulk. Uh, and so... Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, I mean? Do you feel like they either either of them could have been good choices here? And and I want to preface that by saying be, before our, uh, we we answer that question, John Favreau had the idea of making this more of a comedy, and so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, with all that in mind, do you think either of those directors would have done what we get here with Joe Johnson or been a good choice?
1: I think that Favreau would have been a fine choice. I think that his impulse for comedy. Could have worked. Uh, I think that it could have worked in the sense that uh, it would have been like a Guardians of the Galaxy type of comedy, which is it works in universe and stuff like. Basically, this is where I tip my hand and I say I have faith in Favreau, and you know I, that could be me going back. And at the time after seeing Iron Man two, I probably would have said, "Oh no, I don't want him doing Captain America." I didn't like Iron Man two, but now looking at the totality of his work of his work and what he's brought to the Star Wars universe and stuff like that then i sort of roll back and think back well he he probably could have made it work pretty well Leterrier, this would have been a much more this would have been swinging it serious in the other direction i think uh i think that he was likely interested very much in the whole you can see how the super soldier serum question would have fit into his view of the Hulk and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right. And how that would have worked in. Right. Uh, I can also say that Johnston is a logical choice for this, this type of movie, uh, the way it turned out. It's very, it very much fits his style. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, I want to roll it back before the directors. I want to, I want to come at the title here. And th- this is something that I've been sitting with for a very long time. Which is, this is Captain America, the first Avenger. It's not Captain America. It's not Captain America 1. We have Iron Man. We have Iron Man 2. We have the Incredible Hulk. We have Thor. There's no after title for them. There's no subtitle. And one of the things that I find interesting is that this is Captain America, the first Avenger, which is obviously a marketing choice. It's to get the audience primed for the Avengers. It's purposely titled that way to, to make everything tie in. Whereas a movie that came out later, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, was hacked on because they said, oh, well, that's just a bunch of marketing terms that they put together. I've made fun of it over time, calling it you know, Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Marketing keywords, right? But then looking at this, I want to get your take. Do you think that people unfairly overlook the fact that Captain America does the exact same thing here and doesn't get called out for it?
0: Yeah, it is really interesting that you asked that question because it's not something I had thought of until now. And I, I think, I think they're, obviously they're priming you for the Avengers. Obvi- and and mainly too, because that's how this movie ends, right? With the stinger to give you the trailer, the first trailer for Avengers, That's the Avengers that's coming out. So um, absolutely, they are, playing on that. And in fact, the title was originally The First Avenger, Captain America, and then they switched it. Mm-hmm. And, But at the same time, you know, I think logically it makes sense because th- before it gets retconned, and again, that's a, that's a question for another day, um, Captain America is the first person that and, and the basis for the Avengers initiative, in the sense of, like, he is the original. He was the original in this universe. Like, he is the Superman of this universe, in that sense. He's, whose movie isn't first, but he is literally the first one to exist, superhero-wise, that would go on to be the thing that inspires the Avengers. At least, that's the way it plays out in phase one. And the all the way until we get to phase three again, when it's retconned anyway. So I don't mind that, you know, um, and I don't have a problem with it. It never bothered me. um, But I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous to even try to argue that it's not about the marketing, not just for this film, but for what's coming up next, which the Marvel universe at this point is, is doing, which is, we're not just priming you for the movie you're watching but what's coming up and right. so uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but but the thing is i know you uh, you know uh, i i don't think either one of us have a problem with it but do you think that that basically this is an early indicator of the bias against the dc universe because people hack on batman versus superman for it whereas they let captain america the first mm-hmm. avenger slide sure
0: I, I mean it could be you know i i think it's it. It is an interesting question because I don't think of things in those terms. You know, I, I'm not, I, I think, in many ways, that's such a, a, such a negative reading for people. You know, but I, I, it could be, absolutely a, a bias that shows. You know, and and I do think. Very early, that bias shows up. I mean, you know, we talked about it with Snyder cuts, and especially when we talked about Man of Steel and its rea- the reaction it got as opposed to, you know, the movies that we were getting in the MCU. And, um, you know, so it is interesting, though, because I think one of the things that as we get to Captain America, the goodwill that Marvel has fostered for itself is already paying off, right? It has garnered uh goodwill with people it's put that in the bank and it's going to keep using it you know and mm-hmm. and for the most part i mean even though iron man 2 was a misstep for both you and i and you know i we talked about it thor was a misstep for me um and not as much you now you know the the general public was enjoying what it was getting from the marvel cinematic universe and i don't think mm-hmm. that i don't even think that at this point we had seen the ultimate vitriol that will will happen we like it like i don't think the internet responds badly to a film the w- until we get to like i man of steel's a demarcation mine you know like um, and then it just goes downhill from there with the way that people start reacting to things on social media. But it, Marvel has really been enjoying, I think, for the most part, with these films and that time period, goodwill on social media, goodwill with fans, and it created a lot of goodwill that just continued to roll out. So I don't know. I I don't know if I've answered the question in any way, shape, or form other than to say that. I personally had just never really thought of it that way until now, and there is a there is a good possibility that that's the case, where it is the first inkling that there, there really is a difference between um, the way people reacted to the franchises and unfairly dumped on one rather than the other.
1: Yeah, I, I think that um, there's also, speaking of the goodwill that you're talking about, they're taking Iron Man's a surprise hit. I think we can all admit that, at least from my perspective, Iron Man, like I said, when we started talking about it, we'd seen superhero movies before. We'd seen X-Men. We'd seen. And so we knew it could be done, but we didn't know it could be done of such a quality that people right. who weren't comic book fans would enjoy right. it. So that, that becomes sort of like, oh, okay. Normal people enjoy this, too. That's cool. And then Iron Man 2, you know, for all of its flaws, is a hit again. Thor brings people in. Chris Hemsworth becomes a dream boat for everybody. But even that early on, they're bringing Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins to the table. That's wow. That's, that's a big name. You know, you, you sort of command respect with that. And I think when you get to Captain America, older fans, especially by that point, know the history of trying to have a Captain America film brought to life. So the simple fact that one got made, that was worth watching. Was a stunner, sort of the sure. way Iron yeah. Man was, yeah. where it's like, oh wow, the, okay, they can do this, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. so hyper targeted right. to a single audience. Right. So I think it's fair to presume both of us saw this in the movie
0: theater, right? Yes, and I, I gotta, I mean, I gotta answer my own question because I never did, you know, about the director, but I, I think, I think both of them probably could have been fine. I don't love, honestly. The idea that Favreau has to make this more of a comedy, uh, I don't think that's the right go, and I'll answer that question as to why, I don't think, in a minute. But I think Joe Johnston is actually the perfect director because, like you rightly pointed out, he's already done a movie like this, and it was The Rocketeer. And that movie is practically perfect. And it plays exactly within this time period. And and it's exactly what you want this movie to feel like, right? You want it to have that almost timeless quality that anybody can jump into. And of course, you know, their jumping off point with Johnston really is they want this to feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark. They want this to feel, to have that type of quality to it where, it doesn't it doesn't matter that it takes place in a time period that we're not in you just feel as though you can watch it in any moment you know and and i think and of course you know obviously his his work with star wars and and his um design work there i think all works in his favor because again that is almost and, and legitimately i think that's the quality that you want and so the reason i think that's the case is because you know with superman the word was right and mm-hmm. i think what he johnson brings to this that is absolutely necessary for captain america is a sense of earnestness it's right. it's it's he's not treating this as chintzy or or winking at the camera, or any of those type of things, he is treating it with utmost earnestness, uh, and 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 that's the same thing that we want from the character of Captain America as well. And so by by directing it in that way, I think what he does is he's the right choice. Like I, I think the idea of taking this and being more comedy is the wrong choice. You know, I, I again, you have this character has to come off as completely believable and he's the hardest character to bring to life because he is basically the superman of this universe which is he is the moral arbiter to which everything else is judged by you know he is the paragon sure. of virtue and that's again it's very hard to do that if you don't have this kind of very earnest and sincere take and 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 that sincerity I think is what makes this this film work and what make, makes Johnston the perfect choice.
1: Well, I I go in one direction where I think Johnston is the right choice because he's very comfortable with effects. Uh, that too, and absolutely. They, they 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 bring it to bear. I I don't think that Johnston brings anything that is excessively passionate. And I'm not taking anything away from him, but I don't he's not grafting on High drama onto this he's taking a script and he's he is directing this script very well and the the story structure is focused and it it moves and he understands the rules of storytelling and he understands again I think the most important thing with selling it to the audience aside from the earnestness because Chris Evans gives a terrific sure. performance he's he is exactly right he is exactly right for Captain America and somebody got him there Mm -hmm. a director is integral in the performance that somebody gives I think that this could have been done by another director I just think that Johnston is the right one Mm -hmm. in those very technical terms Uh, and and I think think that's very key especially especially because and the thing is you know I didn't know at what point I would like sort of throw this out there, but in terms of the digital filmmaking, both the photography and the, um, the, the composites, this is, I think one of the ones more than Thor, there are problems in Iron Man two, but I think more than Thor, there are moments here where the technology is still about five years away from what they're trying to pull off. I do not deduct points for that. I'm, I want to be very clear sure. about that. Anybody who has ever listened to us have discussions, I don't do that. But it is an honest assessment to say there are some composites where it just doesn't mm-hmm. – there's an sure. inconsistency. Let's put it this way. There is an inconsistency with the effects that at a certain point gets – um uh, you know, I, I, I don't know the right word, but it does take me out of it at moments because it's like, oh, suddenly the composite's not matching up right or there's too much blur around somebody's you know, face or something. And it's like, ah, OK, again, saying that doesn't I don't take anything away from the movie for it. But I wonder if it's just been this is the first time we're really encountering the because if you look at the credits, farming it out to so many different effects mm-hmm. houses. Yeah. You sacrifice some consistency. Uh, for for the sake of putting the movie together,
0: sure, and and I think I do think that you have a good point there. I think one of the things that maybe helps this film for me, rather than other, let's uh, say, uh, the issues that I have with Thor, right, is is um, you know, with with this movie, everything is is for the most part it's pretty grounded. You know, there are some fantastical elements, much like with the Rocketeer where, you know, we're we're dealing with hyper-reality in the sense of, you know, we've added these kind of, like... It's reality with a Tesseract involved. So that means that some of the designs are going to get, you know, sci-fi-ish, you know, especially 40s sci-fi-ish, oh, right? Oh, yeah. And, I, I'm, and, and, no, 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 but... but, no, my, but the design, wait, wait, yeah. hold on. But what I'm saying by that is that I think, for me, the the effects... Always, they're good enough, and it's and it's um, it's not where they're trying to give me something that is so unbelievable that then I really start like focusing on the effect. And I guess I'm having a different reaction than you did. Whereas I feel like you, the, I, I'm, I don't I'm, know.
1: I'm 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 talking I'm talking strictly in terms of the compositing. There, there are definitely moments where. The background doesn't quite. Oh, sure, match like up the train the right way. scene. And yeah,
0: I mean that's well, the, pretty the, terrible, the train actually. scene, which
1: I, <laughs> but I actually I got a kick out of it because I was like, oh, this is sort of like a test bed for Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to see this a few years <laughs> yeah. later in a better way. But, um, it, but I'm talking about. Uh, just a number of things there are certain moments where when chris evans's face is mapped on the smaller body like it's it's so almost there like i know that 10 years later it would be perfect and when he runs out into times square at the end spoilers um you can tell he's not really there and you can tell that nick fury's not really there and it's one of those things where it's like i know again you go five years down the road it's going to look better And so that's why I'm saying I'm not deducting points for it, but you can tell that they were just a little too Mm -hmm. ambitious. And I don't know whether that's a matter of work with fewer effects houses to get the consistency locked up or if there are certain scenes that they shot later and they were like, okay, we just got to slap something behind it because we have to Mm -hmm. get it to a certain point sort of thing. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I know they did some reshoots on this movie and stuff like that, you know, and absolutely the. They, there's like a whole list of effects houses that they work with. It just, yeah. It's crazy because they were trying to get this done. So I agree. It is, it is. I would say, for the most part, it's it's one of the things that hampers the movie just a little bit in the sense that it doesn't look as good as it possibly could. And and part of that is because as much as the reality of this film, it's also a tougher film for them to do because so much of it has to be composited, even the scenes sure when you know you're in 1940s you know all that stuff has to be recreated outside of the sets that you're using because none of that really exists anymore you know nothing looks like it does at all so i mean that that's all something that has to be created these days in a computer and digitally added set extension wise
1: right I, I mean, the overall impression was with a lot of those moments, though, is sort of like with Peter Jackson's King Kong when they're going around New York yes, at the end yeah. where it's like, yeah. uh you just yeah, it's just not quite there. Yet. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, I, again, I'm not I'm not hacking on it and I'm not deducting points for it or anything. I'm just saying, you know, it, oh, yeah. it's one of those technical notes. But then again, that's, you know, and it's not a damning with faint praise sort of thing. I think Johnston is comfortable enough with mm-hmm. it that he gets it to the he likely got it to the best point it could get I, yeah. because he, he's there from the beginning. He knows mm-hmm. all of the rules for constructing yep. those shots. Yep. And so that, that technical
0: edge probably
1: is why he yep. was the best choice at the
0: time. Well, and it does, gosh, it doesn't help that they were doing, you know, uh 3d on this movie and working with some 3d cameras yeah. and all that jazz that, that was really cumbersome Ugh, the back at the time. So, um, so yes, I did see this in the theater um and did you also ended up seeing this one in I the did. theater? Okay. Oh yeah. No,
1: I was excited to okay. see Captain America in the movie theater. I was like, oh cool, yeah, Captain America. Like I I love mm-hmm. Captain America. Who doesn't Great. love Captain America? Like you said, he's Marvel Superman. Yeah. And it's like okay, yeah, I yeah. want to see this guy on screen.
0: Well, and it, I mean it, it's so interesting too because you know I think even just coming in initially, I I think this became another uh, this did become a demarcation line for Marvel in the sense that like. There were before we even get to anywhere thinking of civil war. There's the dichotomy for fans of like Iron Man's your favorite character or Captain America is your favorite character, and it's like mm-hmm. you know. And and for me, I mean, absolutely, hundred percent. I love Iron Man as a film, and I love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I think it's fantastic. We already talked about that, but Captain America in the Marvel Universe is my man. And I think it obviously, for anybody who knows me, it makes sense why that would be the case, because yes, he's the superman of this universe, and you know I think the thing I ended up initially responding to the most was I just love and and this is why I brought up the whole thing with Johnston as director and uh, his kind of i think the sincerity with which he i think directs the film was with but it's also i think. Chris Evans plays this perfectly because the character could come off as an annoying, like goody two shoes, but he, and he infuse this character with so much sense of purpose with so much goodness, with so much just innate goodness that you gravitate towards him as the character, you know, and I think part of that is the way in which they're able to play him as little Steve before you get to, to Captain America. He wins you over as being this guy who, yeah, he's super small and skinny and all those things and asthmatic and like every everything under the book that would make him not work in the army at that point. But he has the right heart for it. And it's not just the mm-hmm. heart, but it's like he has the innate sense of being that's good, that makes him that character, you know, obviously before he gets the power, which is what makes him so special in the first place. And I, and Chris Evans, I think just the casting in this movie is absolutely perfect. There's nobody in this movie who's, who is not, I think, perfectly cast, uh, especially in the main roles. Um, and part of that, I think, comes from the fact that they all play them straight like they all play them as there's again there's just never any winking at the camera and Chris Evans I think is the pinnacle of that in this film I
1: I, I mean I, the the wisdom of casting Chris Evans is you know it pays off big time and he is I, I think you're right he's great in this role he is terrific this is the role he was born to play I think the only problem structure wise with the movie is that Cap's arc is a bit blunted on this revisit. It is one of those things where his emotional arc doesn't ever quite get to where I think it's gonna go, which is having the, we have the aha moment at the end, but then the, the, the denouement if you want to use a college boy term, is is very quick afterward. Runs out to Times Square. Oh, you're here 70 years later. Boom, 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 boom. And I would have liked to spend more time with Cap's reaction, the shell shock of it all. And I was actually thinking in terms of story structure, the way that they go with it is we start in modern day, go to the 40s. Cap, quote unquote, dies to everybody in the 40s. And then suddenly he's in Times Square. Boom. We've set it all up. Now all the characters are in, are in place. I do think that it would have been a more interesting emotional journey in the movie to have it be something where Cap wakes up and says, well, I, I thought I was dead. And they and they start talking to him. Oh, no, 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 no. Why don't you take us through it? Why don't you tell us what happened? You know, Start from the beginning. And it's him narrating. And then every so often he comes back. He's like, but I... I that still you know and you have whatever you need to cut back in and then at the end when he has that realization that it's all been a thing you know a a a construct around him i think it's more impactful because he he wakes up and he's because we know he's not going to die at the end of the movie right so why even treat that as a possibility with the, the plane going down right have it start out with him confused. I thought I was dead. He thinks he's in the mm-hmm. 1940s. No, we won the war, son. Wait, we won the war? Yeah, you were out of it for a little while, and then we get to that point where just sort of like a frog boiling, and and then mm-hmm. he busts out. Sure. And he's like, and then he sees the real world, and it it's almost like a Twilight Zone ish type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, that would have given the character more of the arc, Great. more of the emotional arc that he deserves. Mm-hmm. And, again, this doesn't take anything away from Evans. It's just that Evans is where Cap needs to be at all times as opposed to giving him any sort of greater trajectory. Now, we'll see that greater trajectory later. Mm -hmm. But I think that is what winds up making the story structure here suffer a little bit because they know they're going to get to that. Whereas in older days where you were like, I'm just getting this one movie, you would put more of a... More of that arc in that here
0: that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying because i I do think that one of the things you would like to have in this movie is, and and I I I think that the one place that I will, I I was talking to my wife after we watched the film, and um, I think the one place that I would kind of ding the movie just a little bit is that I do want. In the in the montage sequence where they're mm-hmm. taking down all the Hydra bases, I want there to be something more there and something personal there for Steve mm. instead of it just being a montage sequence because right. I feel like I do I do want one more I want one more like emotional hurdle for him. I want one more Yep just growth point I think is what I'm looking for. And it's, again, it's not a bad choice because the movie's already long, you know? So I I get why they're not doing it. And I think what you just pointed out is the way to, to which you could actually have helped make that happen without making the movie longer. Um, You're just cutting in with the, the basically the reaction of, 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 you know, Steve now, Um, and yeah, and, and then like you said, I think also by him telling the story like that and then being like, where's Peggy? And then the emotional punch is even worse because Peggy's gone or, or, well, Peggy as he knew her is gone. I mean, she's still alive, you know, we'll, we'll. Right. Spoiler alert. She's still alive, but she's, you know, in her, you know, 80s. Uh, and so, yeah, there's this. It it would be horrendous. Right. You know, and just, again, emotional gut punch of being like, oh, she's in a nursing home, you know, like, and, you know, so all of that, I think, is, is just something that could have been really great in that sense. The one thing, though, and and I really I've got to say, because uh, I was talking about the sincerity with which Evans plays the role. I, I think also the thing that I find really beautiful about this film is by setting it in the 40s, having him be this man out of time that they're going to play with later on. But having him here and getting to experience him make the moral choices to which he does. I think. There's something so beautiful about. Captain America representing the embodiment of America by saying that he understands power because he also understands what happens when people misuse it because he's had that experience in and of himself in much way the way that America itself we choose to become a country because we have another country lording its power over us in a way that it shouldn't. Um, and and therefore, we choose to become, you know, our, our own country at that point. And so that misuse of power is what has created and crafted America in that way. Captain America then represents the best of that in, him, in and of himself because he also understands that. And I think that's the beauty of, of thin what we'll do is shifting him then into the future, quote unquote, the present, and having him right. still be that moral arbiter, um, you know, uh, who who we've clearly set him up of, as that in this film. And I think it just does such a great job of crafting that and setting that up so that they can use it for the future. But I think it plays out very well within the film itself which is really important for the character
1: yeah i i mean i I think it could have it could have been better but that's a structural thing i'm not going to lay that at johnston's feet and i think that johnston is also um he he is the type of director that's going to work with what he has as opposed to like a nolan is involved from word one sure yeah on a script and and so it's just a different sort of approach again i'm not I love Joe Johnson. Like, I, if I see Joe Johnson's name on a project, I tend to go see it because mm-hmm. I like what he does with yep. stuff, and he likes to push the boundaries. And like you said, Rocketeer earns him endless uh, endless points with me. Because of Rocketeer, you put his name on something, I'm like, yep, I'll go see it. Um, now, the thing is, we usually leave music for later, and I want to make a point. Okay, sure. To talk Let's about it. Let's do it. I really do. Okay. Sylvester comes back to do this score. We weren't nuts about previous work. We didn't find anything really. Uh, I was big on Doyle. I thought mm-hmm. Doyle delivered yeah. what he needed to for yeah, Thor. So did I. How, how do you feel about Sylvester here in Captain America? Do you think that this is the score Cap needs or this is just a score that's good mm-hmm. enough to get him there?
0: I have always liked this score and I have always liked the thematic work that we get for Cap. Um, I think, you know, uh, one of the things that obviously he's playing with is, you know, those kind of very, quote unquote, Americana patriotic type themes. And I think that he gives Captain America. I mean, it's memorable. I I got it in my head, you know, and I think he he does a great job with um, honoring the character in that way by giving him a theme that fits his character fits who he is, what he represents. I think he does a good job in, in scoring the film as well and creating something that's uh, enjoyable to listen to works perfectly with the film. Obviously they have a lot of fun with a musical number in the movie as well um, here and kind of creating mm-hmm. uh, that whole song there, uh, which I think also works perfectly um, with the, the sensibilities of like thinking of like, oh, if we were going to create like a 1940s, you know, type of musical number and theme for this character. What would it sound like? So, I mean, I right there with Thor, I, I and I think even more than Thor, to me, this represents the character fully, the most that we have gotten thematically for the character, because it, It feels like what you would expect a Captain America theme to sound like. So that, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things. Like if I were to play you the theme for this and play you the theme for Thor, you would probably be able to say, oh, that sounds like that's Captain America's theme. Whereas Thor's, it could be, any number of characters' themes, you know. Again, I thought the the work was good, and I praised it. And when we talked about that, but I just think that Sylvester nailed exactly what they're going for.
1: I agree. I mean, you. I don't think it's the best score I've ever heard. Uh, I do think the Cap's theme is memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the rest of the work is is fine. Uh, but I do have to give a lot of credit for that. Musical number. Mm -hmm. I don't. I I think that sometimes we as audiences don't understand exactly how tricky that is Mm -hmm. to get that right, to get the in-universe music sounding quite right, and especially when it's real world that has to sound like something that I believe my grandparents listened to. Yeah, and it does, and it works, and it's really well done. And so, yeah, you know, I give the music a a few extra points actually on this go round for that. Because this is a more fully realized thing, uh, like you said. I I just think that what is at play here is they have a roadmap. And what I sense here, what is sneaking in, is that Silvestri is building to something. Sure. And we know sure. what he is building to. So I think in another sense, much like some of the shortcomings of the film itself... They know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. So Silvestri can say, okay, here's my overture. I'm about to do the symphony next. Right. Yep. And so I think, I think he holds back a little bit on this with the idea toward that's going to be the thing mm-hmm. that right. this all comes together into.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because, and we'll talk about it, I think, when we talk about Avengers, but that theme is very reminiscent of this theme. In many ways, like you said, it mm-hmm. feels like this is variations on that theme. And therefore, since this is the movie that's leading right into that uh, and he's the first Avenger. You know, the, like the magnum right. opus then is what we get in the next film. So I, I heartily agree with you um, on that. And and yet I would call this so far then this is the best score You know, it it, to me, it trumps Thor's score um, because it it works even better for the actual character we're writing a thematic structure for like it. And I think that's where it trumps the the Thor score.
1: Now, I have a question for you, though, because, you know, while we're talking about themes and character and stuff like that, I find it fascinating that. This movie, I guess by fans, it does get this sort of credit. But what really does pop this time, this viewing of it, is that um, Agent Carter is great. Yeah. And I think that one of the great crimes of the MCU in general is that this character is so great. Mm -hmm. And I really, on screen, I know that the show Agent Carter happens and stuff like that. But for the average audience member this is it we get for her. Right. And so it's, it's almost what's really interesting about it is it is on a larger scale, like, uh, like what happened with, uh, lady Sif in Thor. That's a character I'm legitimately intrigued in. And I would like to see more about this character, but I know that especially in the context of these movies, that's just not likely to happen. I just think that's sort of a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to deduct points from this movie for it, obviously, but I think that the, I, I want to get your take on this. Every movie has its cast of supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Iron Man has his sphere around him. Thor has his sphere of people around him. Cap has his, the Hulk has his, but you know, he is, he is the green one who must not be named even at this point. What do you think of, you know, the people in caps orbit in this movie? Is this the, is this just par for the course? Is this the best group surrounding? Are there too many characters surrounding him? Could they have focused it a little bit more?
0: I mean, that is a really good question. I I would say next to Iron Man, this cast is perfect in this film. Uh, and, and I love that you call out as the hallmark for that Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, who is absolute perfection in this role. Like, she is everything you want, I think, a strong female character to be in the film. There's nothing about her that isn't wonderfully ladylike. And at the same time, in the next sentence, she could snap your neck, you know, like because she's a she's an agent, uh, you know and she's just as strong as anybody else on screen and yet you know she also gives cap the ability and steve the ability to have those vulnerable moments because there is also a mm-hmm. softness to her as well you know like and and i love the way that this movie plays with the fact that it's okay for men and women to have both sides to them to be strong and yet have emotion and, and a, basically a soft right. side, you know, and Steve has that. We see that, you know, from the beginning, um, you know, his his goodness and his, in, his innate goodness, all of that. Um, and, and she just allows that to be able to be played on screen. And then, I mean, the chemistry she has not only with Chris Evans is evident, but then the chemistry she has with Tommy Lee Jones is great. Oh, and and I think
1: Jones is great comedy he's, in this movie. He's, he's
0: perfect. He's, a, he's perfect.
1: He's exactly he's exactly what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's Tommy Lee Jonesing the place. Oh up, yeah, and that's exactly what yeah. that character needs to be. Yeah. but that gets into I think. Um, I I do think there are a few too many side characters. Uh, like I like the fact that they gave Cap his uh his cadre of support characters who go on missions with yeah, him. The
0: howling commandos yeah
1: but there's there's too much going on sure. it's almost as if that's a separate movie that that is trying to be contained within this movie and i don't know what i would cut per se i think maybe if we had that structure we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. where cap is narrating that gives us breaks and so we're not you know, the, if anything seems bouncy or truncated, it's because the narrator is telling us the mm-hmm. story. And so we're Great. a little bit more forgiving in in that structure. And I just think it's um, it's one of those things where I think Johnson does the best job that anybody can juggling all of these different personalities. And each personality is distinct. That is very much to his credit, is that these characters are distinct characters. Yes, There's yeah, nobody yeah. bleeds into somebody else. So that's very good, clear direction. Now the the side characters aren't necessarily overly complex characters, but right. y- you get what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Well, and but that I I think you know, and I, I could agree with you in the sense that I I do feel like it, what you end up with is just you are like, man, I just kind of wish I could spend more time with them. You know, like Neil McDonough as Dum Dum is just great. You know, like he he, he yeah. you know, and all of those guys pop off the screen you know they they all have their little personality quirks and everything that that make them so wonderful and yet you just want more time like you really do kind of want a whole movie just with those guys and steve you know um yeah sebastian stan you know as as bucky i think is is wonderful and and playing that role of you know being the guy that steve looked up to and then being the guy who then ends up having strangely to look up to steve you know like and in, and in, in like dealing with the ramifications of that you know of having your best friend completely change and yet at the same time not change at all um, but having to see them in a different light that you didn't expect is is really interesting having and i almost wish there was a little bit more time to play with that role reversal because i think that's a really big element
1: but that that's what i'm That's what I think I'm getting at. That's what I think is sitting in the back of my mind is there's so much going on in the movie that it would have benefited from just maybe another draft to to tighten things up. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information they're trying to get across. And I think that the biggest stumbling block with all of it is the fact that they're going to great lengths to demonstrate the power of the Tesseract. Because, yeah, of course, sitting here in the front, we know what that's going to build to. I wish that they could have had some way to have demonstration of the power of the Tesseract. The fact that it's a desirable object without spending quite so long Mm -hmm. getting to that point, which would have let us focus a little more on the Howling Commandos. Mm -hmm. Yep. And have things told a little bit tighter mm-hmm. with a, a, just a, just a little a hair yep. more focus. Maybe yep. cut five or ten minutes out of the movie here or there, and you can just bring that in. Yep. So that you're not you're not so obsessed with setting up what the big MacGuffin of the Avengers well, is. Well, I think
0: be. that's one of the places where, as I think Hugo Weaving obviously is perfect. You know, I mean, he just, oh. he's oh, so it, good.
1: It, you you talk about Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. I or Chris Evans. I think that Hugo Weaving as Red mm-hmm. Skull. He pay, he pays off. And the thing is, I go into, as soon as I heard, oh, Hugo Weaving is Red Skull. I was like, yeah. And? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just, it just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. um, b- Because he just, you know, he's got the Agent Smith thing. He has a very distinct set of features mm-hmm. that really, you know, and he can do the glare. You know, when he, yeah. when he stares angry at you, you are afraid of him. And that's, Red Skull needed that badly. Mm-hmm. And it's just so that. And that, that's the thing, right? Is his performance winds up being the thing that keeps an audience from giggling at him pulling off his mask mm-hmm. and showing that he's a big noseless skeleton. Like, how ridiculous is that? Oh, yeah. How absolutely insane and dumb a concept is Red Skull? How comic book is it? But audiences accept it because Hugo Weaving sells it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, great. That works.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. and and you know and i think because he's so magnetic on the screen i think one of the things where you could possibly have cut a little bit of time is you could have condensed some of the times you cut back to red skull yes. and his scientist you know again who uh, played to perfection by uh toby jones you know excellent casting there as well because what you've done and, and i've mean, got stanley tucci as as the scientist as well like All of these people immediately, they have the gravitas to be able to pull you in automatically and tell you this is who I am as a character just because of the fact that they're such good actors. And that's where I don't think we because Hugo Weaving and Toby Jones are so good, we don't actually need to spend as much time with them and still have them be as menacing as they are. By cutting back three, four times, we could maybe just go two.
1: Well, I I think you change the framing device to being the flashback. That solves a lot of problems with that you you shorten the amount of time it takes them to talk about the Tesseract in the beginning. Although that scene's great. I love the the callback to Raiders of the Lost Ark 2 while the Fuhrer mm-hmm. is digging around yes, in the fantastic. desert looking for artifacts. Like, it's such a... That's a wink. That's an Easter egg wink so that if you get it, you get it. Like, that's the type of joke that, that really, really works, the type of movie reference. But, you know, you could even shorten it with, uh, instead of having... 3 Germans walk in, have the grand tour, have him put the thing up, have him figure out how to shoot somebody, just to have him say so the weapon mm-hmm. is ready. Yes, bang and he vaporizes somebody. He goes, "Good, cuz that guy was a spy. If it that if that hadn't worked, he was going to rat us out." Sure. And then you can still have the conversation about how Hydra is an organization within the Third mm-hmm. Reich that's planning to betray them. Yeah. Sort of thing. You know, I, you know,
0: one of the things I was I was thinking of um last night, uh My wife and I just watched the movie and uh, I was I was thinking about how I had always thought maybe that the musical sequence was maybe a little bit too long. Um, And one of the things that really stuck with me this time is that how that musical sequence is so effective at showing that Steve finds a confidence that he never thought he would have as he. Moves into this role, right? And, and that confidence is actually this, the exact same thing that which Abel enables him to be able to say, I'm going to go save my friends. Like that he believes that he can do it. He's been playing this ridiculous role, but it's also given him the confidence to actually go out and do it in reality. And mm-hmm. I, I really, it's such an interestingly clever way to show growth in a character as, you know, first he's stumbling over the lines. He's not comfortable on stage, but like he finds a way to get himself into this role. And then that role gives him a confidence there. And that confidence then enables him to actually go out and do something that is truly heroic, truly self-sacrificial, you know? Um, and it just, I really, I really appreciated that about that sequence. And, um, I I grew a new appreciation for it uh, because I had always kind of thought maybe in my head that that part was a little long, and that's that's not the part that I would change. I think no, you know, the, the, no, the I, only thing that part's worth. Yeah, sickening. the only thing that I I would go for is cutting back less to the villains, maybe a little bit, and and giving more time with just these actual characters to grow. And I think I think you're absolutely right in your idea about the you know. Just just change the structure just slightly here um and you you've you've made something that's that's good to great, absolutely great, you know like so yeah I, I and that's the thing is I wonder
1: if all of the movies in this quote unquote phase when once they get the Iron Man hit and the Hulk is a hit and they say, okay, we're gonna do this thing, we've got it we, we know what we're going to do. Let's plan it out. Let's have our map. I really think that all of these first phase movies, after Incredible Hulk especially, but primarily after Iron Man, mm-hmm. they're victims of the bullet points. Sure. Of, sure. And, and, and I don't mean that the movies are bad as a result. Obviously, anybody that's been listening, the Iron Man 2 is the only one that really fell flat for me. But... I'm talking about in terms of they're not focused on singular quality. It's the mm-hmm. we're building, we're build, They're looking too far down the road at this point, and they're 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 thinking in terms of getting to Avengers instead of Iron Man's Iron Man's the surprise yep. hit because Iron Man's just telling Iron Man's story, and even the, you know to an extent the Hulk is telling just the Hulk story. But one last question I want to ask you is we've now gotten two great villains in a row Mm -hmm. we've gotten Loki we've gotten Red Skull Mm -hmm. given your problems with Thor given our compliments of both weaving and Hiddleston who do you think has the better screen presence as a villain like if somebody had said to you coming out of this one of these two is going to become the main villain in Avengers the big team-up movie They're both basically dead in the cosmos after this. And they're like, we're going to bring them back. We know Loki's come back because of the stinger. Which one would you bet on being the supernatural force in the next movie? Which one would you want, actually, is the big question. question. Somebody says, do you want Loki or do you want Red Skull? Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, at at that point, not knowing anything, I mean... I might have just picked either. I, I probably would be just a little bit closer with saying uh, let's go with Loki because I think even then you can see there's so much room to play with with that character. I mean, legitimately, just mm-hmm. the the sky, it, it, it just. There's no ceiling on what you can do with Loki, honestly, just because he's so rich. And I I think the one... And part of that is because there is nuance to the character. Like, you get a sense of, like, him having more to him than just being a complete villain, whereas Red Skull, he's just a villain. And and there's never any question Mm -hmm. about... And that's perfect for this movie. And that's perfect, you know, obviously... Um, it's hard to make anybody who's working with the Nazis sympathetic in any way, shape, or form, and you don't want them to be sympathetic, right? So, uh, and and I think because of that, I, w- I would say Loki. But I think you're absolutely right in the sense that, yeah, this these two films back to back do create excellent excellent villains, and and I I think one of the things that um I will. Uh, really comment the movie with is that this movie there is no massive cgi battle at the end because it's two guys fighting Mm -hmm. in an airplane that's about to crash you know which is so personal and um Mm -hmm. you know it 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 doesn't have that thing that many comic books did, which, you know, there is some CGI stuff before we get to this, but like the intimate battle just between the, the villain and the hero here, um, is, is really good. And, and actually small scale compared to some of the other things we've gotten in the MCU, even to mm-hmm. this point. I mean, obviously we talked about how that hurt Hulk, you know, um, by them being too ambitious in that sense. um, this is the perfect scale, and and so, yeah, I think they do a really good job in that. And um, I think, yeah, I would I would go with either of them, but lean more towards Loki just because you know we've got you know uh, I think more to play with with that character.
1: I yeah, I, I can honestly say I didn't think Loki would ever become the prime shaker that he did. Like I I, I you know I, obviously I'd seen the stinger like everybody else and everything, but it it's still baffling to me. It's such a unique choice to make Loki a prime mover. Like it's just, I I was expecting a third and different villain in Avengers. And so it was just, it was odd.
0: Did, did anything change for you here? Like good or bad with this, this rewatch? Uh,
1: not really. I think I'm more at peace with the things that didn't work for me. Uh, you know, it's typical sort of thing. Like, I think we talked about this with like Iron Man two or even Hulk, or, you know, even Thor, where it's like there are certain things that don't work, but this, when you come at them again, you already know they don't work. So you're a lot more forgiving because there's not that in the moment sort of reaction that goes on with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think I wind up actually, lack of a better word, happier with Captain America, the first Avenger this time around. I remember that first viewing coming out and my my reaction was very much like, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I really like Chris Evans. You know, like, and that was basically my sure my reaction with it. Coming at it now, more forgiving of all, you know, sort of the things I was picking on, mm-hmm. but additionally, um, you know, those are structure things that had would have had to be fixed at the script level and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, but I I think that um, knowing also where it's gonna go helps this movie. Mm-hmm. More than any of the previous ones that we've right. rewatched, like knowing that this one is teeing up what comes next, I think helps it. What about you? Did anything change, shift in one direction or the other? I,
0: I don't think anything really. I, to me, I've always liked this movie. You know, like I I always enjoyed it, uh, and always liked it. Always, I always had a real heart for it. It's it's actually one of my higher ranked Marvel films, honestly, uh, on 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 my list just of all Marvel overall and, and nothing's really changed in that sense. I, I, and I think part of that is that, and, and one of the things obviously that I had praised the original Iron Man for is just how well everybody's cast and how well they all play together as the cast ameliorates a lot of, if any issues I have with this movie, that even the ones that we've talked about, you know, that, and we've agreed on mostly here, uh, The thing about it is, is that I find this movie so enjoyable to watch because what everybody's doing on screen is so much fun um, as they interact together that I don't really have any problems watching it, even though I intellectually can see how things could be better. It's like, but, you know, I like watching Chris Evans and Haley Atwell and, you know, all these people play together in this sandbox. And so I'm not really frustrated. By it in any way other than just the intellectual exercise of being like, oh, well, I could have done this, you know, like, so I I think that's one of the things which all the issues I had with Thor came in with the fact that I wasn't enjoying the main character. Mm -hmm, And therefore, mm -hmm. and and not Chris, uh, Chris Hemsworth, like, I like Chris Hemsworth, and and just I think he's a good actor. He's really funny, all those things, just the character as written. I wasn't enjoying as much, and therefore it was hurting the movie. Whereas here, I'm loving Chris Evans, but I'm also loving the character as written. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it, it, because he represents so much like the Superman character as well, and, and those ideals and those thematic elements playing with him, and all of that is is right in my wheelhouse to love. So, absolutely, I mean, I, I just it, there was really nothing, honestly, that's changed. Um, And I think what then happens for me is that where we'll go next is the impact then that Cap has and and that this has on the entire Marvel Universe is massive, right? Like, you know, he's a a shift um, in the rest of the series going forward, you know? Um, And and I think that's also something that I love. Um, And therefore, you know, I guess with the movie, I don't know any other thoughts or questions you had, I guess, before we, we, we give a rating.
1: No, that's my big question is where do you rate this? Where do you come down with this? Because I know that we have set up here. Mm -hmm. I know that Iron Man is four and a half for you. And I still teeter. I
0: think I gave it five or
1: four and a half. No, I'm pretty did, sure you gave did, it four okay. and a half. Okay, I couldn't. I'm remember. I'm the one that always forgets. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I,
0: I forgive me for forgetting. But um, so,
1: uh, yep, four and so, a half. You're right. Mm-hmm. So where are we with Captain America: The First Avenger? Yes,
0: I give this a four, and and that is because as much I, I enjoy the film. You know, I can watch honestly The First Avenger anytime uh it's one of those really super enjoyable comic book films for me i you know all the things i've said but intellectually i can also say it 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 could have been better and but that doesn't hurt my enjoyment of the film so i think it is an absolutely 100% solid 4 you know it it's just like to earn another half star or a whole other star there would have been to have those structural changes made that we discussed. But, I mean, when you have a cast that works this well together, and I think a score that works this well together, and thematic elements that work this well together, I mean, that's a solid four.
1: I am in a generous mood. So while I probably at some point will have it fall back to a three... I did enjoy it despite its structural sins. I did enjoy it enough to say three and a half because I enjoy the agent Carter character so much Mm -hmm. because I enjoy Tommy Lee Jones and Hugo Weaving. Like I enjoy this cast. And like you said, they're having fun this time around. Give it a three and a half just because it's, you know, let's put it in forties terms. It's got moxie kid and it there, so, there are things I'm willing to roll with just because, but there will always be that shadow over it of what I think it could have done, mm-hmm. but didn't. And so, that comes to how are we going to organize the rankings here, because I've basically put this on relatively equal footing with Thor mm-hmm. at this point. yeah. Um, giving, shockingly, Leterrier's The Incredible Hulk the edge as a movie, which considering all things is odd to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's surprising yeah. to me that I come out like that. So I want to know what your ranking is while I try to remember how I ranked sure. things previously.
0: Well, I still have to go Iron Man number one. And then for me, it's Captain America, the first Avenger at this point. And then it would be the Incredible Hulk. Uh, and then it would be Iron Man 2. And then it would be Thor.
1: I'm going to go Iron Man still in the number one slot. This is going to shock you. Captain America, the first Avenger, even though having lower star mm-hmm. ranking, edges out the Incredible Hulk because the Incredible Hulk is an ask. And the ca- Captain America, the first Avenger is what I would call a background movie. I could have this playing while I'm doing something else and enjoy it. Whereas Hulk it's asking a lot of attention Mm -hmm. and and i know that seems weird it's like well but well you gave it you know four stars it's like yeah but captain america is just it's um it's just lighter and it's Mm -hmm. it's i like the main character more so even though there are all there are these structural problems i wind up putting captain america too. Then the Incredible Hulk, then Thor, and then Iron Man Two remains ranked dead last as it will for quite a while yet.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's. I mean, it's it's really cool though, and I can understand. I mean, because yeah, I I, I totally understand why Cap wins out, and I I, I for me personally. I think part of it just has to do with there is Captain America, the first Avenger comes very close to what I think so many people ended up loving about Superman, the movie. There's just such an earnestness to it that so many people responded to and absolutely adored. And I do think that's what you were when you were saying it's just it feels a little bit easier. Like, I think that's what you're talking about. Like, there is just this sense of like joy to it um that is ineffable and it's hard to describe but yeah you just come up and and really even though it kind of has this almost like a downer of an ending you come away feeling good and and part of that is just because of who the character is what he represents what he stands for and that makes you feel good you know and so yeah it's hard not to love captain america So
1: that'll, that'll tee us up for the next movie, which is going to be he who shall not be named Marvel's the (laughs) Avengers. And, uh, let's see how the team gels in the next one. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're headed. My gosh. And, you know, just to tee it up, I'll never forget my friend Joey, um, at the time saying before the movie even came out, he said, when you were a kid, would you have, even ever dreamed that there would be an avengers movie and i remember looking at him and saying no i never thought that this would ever be a thing that happened
0: yeah no i had i just right there with you man uh you know to think something like this could happen so well before we get there john uh if anybody wants to catch up with you of course and just talk about what we've been doing here on assembling avengers or see what else you've got going on where can they find you
1: Look for Kessel Junkie online, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. I am on your social network of choice, but not mine. It's a very strange sort of dance that we have. And you can find me over on the Nerd Party Network co-hosting two shows. One show is called House Lights, where we look at the work of directors, whether it's their entire career by decade or other strange combinations. And you can find me co-hosting a what I think is a delightful Star Wars show called Aggressive Negotiations which is co-hosted with my dear friend, uh, you may know him, Matt Rushing.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I hope you'll check that out. And uh, if you would like to, you can also follow me anywhere on social media under the name Matt Rushing 2 That's my moniker for all of the social media platforms I'm on. So just search for me there. Uh, of course, you could find me here on the network, on the main show, The 602 Club, which this show is in the feed of. Uh, and of course, it, with that, you can also find Snyder Cuts that John and I mentioned here. Uh, As well, that you can find that in the archives or on the website at trek.fm. You can also find me doing literary treks, the orb, and Warp 5 Literary tracks about the books and the comics of Star Trek, the Orbs of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. And then over on the Nerd Party Network, I did a little show uh, with my friend Drea Kaufman. We talked about Harry Potter. We did it one chapter at a time. We did the entire series, and that was called Owl Post. It's a finished show, so you can find the entire show lined up for you there over on the Nerd Party Network. But you know what? As always, thank you so much for joining us. Avengers!